If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Okay, everybody's got a to-do list, dropping off, dry cleaning, picking up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's have saved hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on your car insurance. Extra money in your pocket, my friends. You know what to do with that. It's just maybe the most rewarding to-do you do today. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Wow, this is crazy. It's a high degree of difficulty today, Zuckerman. Yes, technical we're, difficulties. We're starting down here in the bowels. The bowels. The bowels of Podcast <laughs> One. Because <laughs> the studio upstairs isn't open. But later on, Jim Jeffries uh, is coming along uh, to visit with us. Very funny comedian from Australia. I don't know him that well. I've met with him once, Zuckerman, but he's a super funny guy. If you uh, have time, I want you to stick around for that. I will try. Right now, uh, we're going to get Jerry Seinfeld on the phone. You're going to have the original Porch Boys all together in some manner. I don't know if we'll be able to hear him. (laughs) He's calling on the phone. You and I are sharing this headphone here, and uh, it's a jerry-rigged situation. I wanted to recap. There's so much I wanted to recap. I want to recap Pebble Beach. I want to recap uh, our adventures at the PCA. Jerry, he wants to talk about the uh, Ferrari SF90 for some reason. We got to talk about the Type 64. We got a lot to cut through, all right? Hours, hours of stuff. Let's get Jerry on the phone. Here, dial in this number, Will, if you can. I'm not going to say it on the air. (laughs) Go ahead. Why not? It's in Long Island. Right there. Eight six seven five three zero nine. Zuckerman, we had a good time up there, didn't we? We did. We had a fantastic time. Um, the Zagato was a huge smash hit. Everyone it? loved it. It was so much fun to see who likes that car and uh, who responded to it. A lot of women responded to that car. All right. My favorite go. was the one guy who said it was made in Germany and would not and would not believe you. Zuckerman. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Tell everybody what he did. There. He said he walked away. Well fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> and he, regardless, nice to meet you. Porsche's making that uh Porsche's making that car in the and factory. Said, I go, no, it was no. made it was made at Zagato. The party you are trying to reach is not available to take your call. Oh. Please leave a message after the tone. Press the pound key to end recording. Hi, Jerry. Uh, this is the, it, it's probably because you're calling from your phone. He doesn't know that it's you. All right. So let's hang up and try calling him again. Hit a, hit a redial right there. Um, either that or he's uh, into his 10th pina colada already at uh, 11 in the morning. Yes. <laughs> well, it is too. It's a little later there. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, hold on. 
Is this ring recording? Okay, good. This is quite a situation we have here. The party you are trying to All right, reach. Hang up that phone. We're just going to keep talking. We'll call Jerry in one second. The um, the PCA. We have to thank everybody there at the work show, right, for helping us out because we ran out of gas on the way to the show, driving into the middle of nowhere. It was what, like a hundred degrees. It was like four o'clock. We were beat. And we misread. You were really getting on the Zagato, and I'm like, Zuckerman, just cool it. You're going to break it. You're going to break it. I was really enjoying the drive. I was really getting into it. But it is funny. For two car guys, we're discussing we're discussing whether the gas gauge works or not. And in the midst of that discussion, we run out of gas like <laughs> like two idiots. And then we called AAA. And uh, that guy. what did that, that guy said? He said, uh, look, he goes, it's, uh, I'll, let me be honest. It's going to take you three and a half hours to get there. And I said, what? Three and a half? We were kind of in the middle of the nowhere. We were exactly 4.7 miles from where the show was. So I called up uh, Vu. I called up uh, the PCA guys, said, can you help us? These guys, the Porsche Club, the National Porsche Club guys, Manny, Aaron, his wife, they they rode down, they brought us gas. What a great group of guys, good cheer, and good cheer, just so enthusiastic to help. You know, dropped the gas in, we drove in there, they gave us, I'm never going to forget it, because I felt like I was uh, on a desert island with no food or water. I had water and Ritz crackers that never tasted so good in my life. We were suffering, Zuckerman, we almost died. And there was a condom on the ground where we were stopped. A full one. Now, now Manny or somebody, I guess, who sent me a bunch of pictures. I'm going to post them when this Do show posts. Do not post any pictures of me holding the condom. I'm going to post that picture of you, you holding not. the condom. I've got it right not. here. Absolutely <laughs> Why? Not. What would happen to okay. you? Okay. Uh, it's disgusting, number one. And there's a, one picture I'm laughing, and then when I saw the chunks that were in it, I started, oh, to, I started to retch. And why did you, you pick it up? Oh, okay. What else am I supposed to do with it? All right. Let's try try JS again. Give him another ring Did you here. text him we're calling from this other number? Yeah, I did. He, 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 you know, this is typical Seinfeld, right? Typical. I, I want to do this at 1130 and then, or 1115 and he's Did you see ready. he gave another number to call? Here. Right. Hey, while we're, t- we're still here, Carlo Stepanians from Lovecraft.com. I don't know if you saw it on my Instagram, made me an awesome Spikes Car Radio skateboard deck. I immediately put wheels on it and wrote it. I love it. I just want to give him a plug, guys. Check out Lugcraft.com. What's his name? Amazing stuff. Carlos Stepanians. Stepanians. He's not, we're not selling these. This is just kind of a one-off deal. Hello. Good morning. Ah, Mr. Ah. Seinfeld. Welcome. Ah, the the circle is complete. (laughs) You should see how we're hunkered down here in the conference room at Podcast One. They have a very important podcast going on. So we're in a conference room and Zuckerman and I are sharing one headphone speaker leaned in our heads are touching <laughs> it's like we're in vietnam calling in airstrikes <laughs> what do you, where are you this morning i'm in my uh, little uh, cigar smoking room in east hampton wow oh, that sounds nice so this is this a vacation is really day nice Oh, yeah. Every day is a vacation day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were we were just recapping uh, Pebble Beach. Did you do you have a good time? You were there for what, like 18 hours? Oh, not that much. Maybe 12. <laughs> I loved it. I bathed in it. I dripped in it. It was like it was like putting conditioner all over your body. It's, it's the events are horrible. The auctions are depressing. The the but the environment is irresistible of just carness and people that are just sick with carness. 
and, and I and I just love it. I love it. I, I, I definitely. It's different from Vegas. A Vegas, I would say, is a thirty-six hour town. Pebble, I think, is about a twenty-eight hour town. Would you would max out that you can't take this anymore? <laughs> so agree. And you know, somehow right. between the three of us, we screwed up and didn't bring enough cars. Or we hadn't. We forgot right. we were yeah. showing the Zagato, and yeah, I yeah. called up yeah. Gianni and said, "I think we're going to need another car." And you ended up with a special car, Porsche, of course. Right away, said, "Let's let us send something over for Jerry to drive." Tell everybody what you were driving. They somehow got there a Euro uh, Boxster Spider 982 or well, actually the, that's the 982 is the platform but the model is a 718 Spider which is the new Spider um, you know I have the old one the 2016 which you know I love and uh, so this was the new model with much more horsepower and a more of a GT focused chassis and it was in the new Gentian blue which uh, seems kind of uh, not that different enough for me as a as a color. I, I I like when they step out. You know, when they when you develop a new color, you know, hit our eyeballs with something. Do something different. <laughs> what was the color, Zuckerman? Do you remember about a year ago there were new Cayennes that pulled up to Bills in Malibu? And I thought it was that gentian blue, or however you pronounce it, but it was more of a Gemini blue but metallic, like a grayer blue. Yeah, it, was, it was gorgeous. I do not remember the name, but it was gor- absolutely gorgeous. I thought gorgeous. that was gentian blue. Maybe they tweaked it. Now it's more of a sapphire blue. Yeah, it's more of a sapphire, although I think sapphire actually is a great blue. This blue I found a little underwhelming. It was kind of dark and uh, mm-hmm. didn't seem to have a, any interesting uh, kind of undertone to it that would make you go, oh, that's a different... It yeah, was ashamed of itself. Feelings. <laughs> what? It was ashamed of itself. Yeah, yeah. What did the car drive like? Um, it was great. Uh, definitely a much improved chassis, a better uh, performance. But, you know, as we move on with the EPA, as the internal combustion engine is slowly, uh, you know, uh, it's like the beginning of uh, Chuck Connors branded when they rip the... Uh, the the stripes off of his sleeves as he's uh, uh, court-martialed. This is what they're doing to the internal combustion engine. Every year, we rip another stripe off of your sleeve. You're you're busted down a rank, you know. <laughs> so it's exactly it's, it's, like that, <laughs> right? And they're just slowly emasculating it and and deep balling it and, until there's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> deballing. Again, deballing is great. Deballing over neutering or castration is much more. Yeah. It's much better. Which is why, and I'm going to shift now, I'm going to I'm going to steer this conversation, Go which ahead. is why the new Ferrari SF90 mm. is such a exciting, groundbreaking concept, except that, of course, it's not uh, street legal. But they said, what can we do to just free ourselves of these lawyers and these thick books of regulations why don't we just make what we want to make like they could in the 50s and 60s and it won't be street legal be a track car and you know i don't know what you do with the damn thing but have you guys looked at it have you looked at we're looking at it right now the spike first and 90 stradale this is really their 918 isn't it uh you could say that uh but it's a track car it's really their 935 that Porsche built, but I think much more successful than the 935, aesthetically speaking. Everything um, about it I love. Look at that, the 986 horsepower. 
Look at the look at the soft curves though at the front. They're mm-hmm. very evocative of an earlier, more graceful uh, Ferrari uh, light touch uh, before they got you know too aggressive, I think, and trying to impress everybody. I don't think they've designed something this attractive in decades. Mm-hmm. Absolutely uh, agree. It's saying here you, there are no physical buttons anywhere on the dashboard. Everything is in captive touch. Captive touch, Zuckerman. Yeah, that I don't. I don't, I don't like. But what I do really I touch it. It's going to capture my touch, Jerry. The feature yeah. that I really dig the most. Look at that. Wow. Is the scoop out that goes to the air intake in the back, so that oh, the gorgeous. that the the door handle is hidden in that scoop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. How about the rear diffuser? How menacing does that look? Yeah, Absolutely beautiful. unbelievable. It looks like yeah. one of these all angles beautiful cars. You know, yeah. there are very few yeah. designs. We're looking at a bunch of different angles right now on on the road and track article. Holy shit! And look at that. Yeah, what but they that? nailed and, uh, it. They nailed I, styling. I was thinking this myself as I was looking at it, going, "Man, this is a beautiful piece of work." And then I picked up the new automobile, which uh, Robert Comerford does his uh, on design. Uh, column, which is the best column anywhere in uh, the automotive uh, journalistic world, because he he's a former teacher at uh, art college in Pasadena. He's an old dude now, but mm-hmm. he designs the most beautiful sentences. His sentences are so beautifully assembled. They're like car designs themselves. But when he reacted to this car the same way I did, I thought, ah, I knew it. <laughs> I, I, I was right. <laughs> Did you so doubt your, you were doubting yourself our, at that until you read that? Yeah. It just can always no, confirmed really his like genius. <laughs> but I think but I'm sure this will be an influencer for the new uh uh you know V8 hybrid Ferraris that are coming online. So it's a uh, it's a very nice piece of work. Though. And you're sure it's only a race car? They're not. You can't put a license plate on this thing. Oh yeah, the SF90 Stradale is track only. You can't. Oh, I mean, man. who's going to stop you? Who would even know? <laughs> I'd do it in a second if I knew how to get one of these things. Right. I would get one. Well, Why don't we, we do a plane? plane Z? This could be a great three-way car, and if it ends up in the crusher, no big deal. Yeah, you're right. That's a great idea. You know. Um, of course, you're going to get offered one after this episode airs. You know, really? Our friend Joe Richardson yeah. at Ferrari. I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, you see color? how low the engine sits in the engine bay? Yeah. The center of gravity. How about the gentian blue for this car? <clears throat> hey, let's talk. we got to talk about the Type 64 Porsche. I mean, there let's are a couple. Let's move on to the Type 64, the elephant in the room. <laughs> it's the elephant <laughs> in the room. Everybody wants our take. Why don't, why don't you start, Jerry, and, and Zuckerman will tell you what... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about what we know so far, but you tell us okay. what well, you saw. Well, I, I think you guys probably know more than me, but I have been I have been aware of this car. All Porsche guys are aware of this car, know the car. Had you been it offered the car? A, I've been offered the car for over 20 years, <laughs> uh, multiple times. <laughs> and at what numbers? Do you want to say? Every, and pick a number, every <laughs> number you can think of. Every, and every time I was offered, the number was completely out of sight. It was like <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. Uh, imagine spending that kind of money on it. My, my problem with the car is the interior. I, I don't like uh, it. It looks uh, pinched in there. It's scary. It looks scary in there. I just don't. I, I could get a little claustro and uh, that car. I, I just didn't want to be in there. It, it looked like one of those sensory deprivation tanks to me. <laughs> but 
it's really cool. Obviously, the lines are uh, Porsche inspired. It was a Porsche uh, 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 idea. Uh, it had nothing to do with the company to me. The company began with the 356 in 1948 after the war. This was something else that they did. And not the only other thing that they did, by the way. Uh, you know, the old man did cars for uh, Mercedes and uh, that electric loaner, L-O-H-N-E-R car and you know, they've done other things. So, but uh, the problem with the car for me has always been it did not have the Porsche badge on it in the front. It was slapped on later to enhance its historical significance, which when you're going for this kind of money with some ma supposedly major piece of history, don't don't cock it up with crap. <laughs> make it make it real, you know, but it was too late for this car. It's been painted. It does not. It doesn't have that uh, that that what is what is it that aura of historical authenticity mm -hmm. that gets the true big collectors crazy. Right. It did not possess that. Yes, exactly. The number of people so I that think... was the problem with the car, which nobody wanted to pay attention to. And they oversold it. Too many videos. Mm -hmm. Too many guys bought off to endorse it and hype it. And uh, and of course, forget about the way the auction was handled. Well, let's yeah, uh, let's talk about that for a minute because it okay. was I think Friday morning where we started hearing uh, rumors about uh, is would there be anybody who'd be willing to put up seventeen million? I guess the auction Saturday house. morning. Saturday morning. No, this was so Friday morning. This was Friday. Oh, really? Yeah, Pan okay. yeah. And, panic set in thirty six <clears throat> hours early. And again, you know, some guys we knew, and uh, you know, said, and again, this is allegedly in rumors, but they they're looking for anybody who'd be willing to write a check for 17 and by saturday morning when we were all having breakfast um nobody uh th they were calling around and saying allegedly that uh is there anybody who would offer anything for the car what would you offer <laughs> so they had gone right. from well, 17 how bad is their timing perceive them this is not the moment in the market <laughs> to go for a killing schmuck yeah you this would think they the would moment. have handled this by then right Right? Why Look, the last you minute? Own this car, would you sell it now? Well, yeah, I I had no problems with this car. I just I I didn't like the number. I just thought it was weird, and it's not a car you're going to drive. So for twenty two million dollars, think of what you could get. You could get five fifties. You could get two fifty short wheelbases. That was right. my issue with the car. But then now here I have some more theories on this. Now the auction goes off, right, Zuckerman? Mm -hmm. How many cars? Is R.M. Sotheby selling over three days? Is it, was it How many? 300 cars? 300 cars? And they have it oh at 226 God, wow. buried deep? Okay. Now, did any other bids get misheard by the weird guy who does, I guess, no. who speaks English but doesn't? No, none. 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 I, you know, and a few people DM Only me. the biggest lot that they have. Yes. Somehow. I think they were, and this is my opinion, they were trying to execute now. They come into this auction. They know they have no one bidding on it, right? And I think they were trying to be funny. I think they thought, why don't oh we, God. you know, and I had heard some rumors about a year ago that RM wanted to spice up their auctions with some comedy. And it, and it, really? it got to me through my agent. Would you be interested? And I said, no, thank you. Oh, wow. I'm starting to wonder if they thought, why don't we have some fun? 30, 40, oh, 50, 60, 70. I think, I, I think that was, and again, my opinion, intentional. I think they thought it would be hilarious. I think they thought 70 to 17. 
I, you know, again, we, we, we're hearing these are chandelier bids. You can read all about it. About it. Uh, Hannah Elliott wrote about it on Bloomberg. Chandelier bids being their own people bidding up the number to the reserve. I, mm-hmm. I don't think there was a single real bid in the auction for the car. And I think what happened and transpired before was an executed piece of comedy. And we want our deep throat. We want someone to step forward and tell us the story. What a because, Jerry, idea. you and I, I think, know better than anybody what happens when people who don't know how to write comedy write comedy, right? Yes, in front of the worst comedy room in the history yes, of mankind. Exactly. <laughs> and it, that's, and, and that's what happens, right? It, it's like that. Go back and watch this tape. This is like the Zapruder film. You watch it. It's like <laughs> they, how, you're telling me. That after he gets to forty fifty, no one walks up to the stage or in the IFB, his little earpiece says, hey, hold on. Right. It's a mistake. And they just let it keep going. Oh, I see. Right. Come on. Well, right. in any case, that car is not sold. Now, Jerry, before you go, a yeah. couple of things. Um, I got 10 more minutes. Okay, 10 more minutes. All right. This will will be quick. But I was watching Tarantino, Tarantino's new movie, Sharon Tate's 9-11. Did you notice? Of course I did. (laughs) Tell everybody what's wrong. Well, it's a 73. It's it's got the 2.4 liter uh, badge on the rear deck, which just shouldn't be there. The craziest part is my agent, Rob Prince, who doesn't know shit about cars, noticed it. It <laughs> looks like a later 9/11. I go, "How the hell would you know that?" But yeah, he I, did. I saw the side mirror and I went, "Wait a minute, that's a 73." Yeah. Are we idiots for complaining about this? Yes, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it took me out of the movie a little bit and then I I had to walk oh, God, out and catch really? my breath and go back in. What did you that I like was, Leno's Leno's joke about gravity when the uh, the astronomers are complaining that the uh, the the galaxy is not oriented right. What about George Clooney's The Astronaut? Did that did that pop you out of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, did you buy anything at yes. auction, Jerry? I did. I did, and I bought it at the RM Sotheby's auction. <laughs> at the failed <laughs> auction, one be... of the few bright spots in their failure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you now you... going to be a collector's item. That was the last time this company existed in its. <laughs> Tell everyone what you bought, Jerry. I repurchased. <laughs> I recaptured my 2011 black uh, bare carbon front lid, all leather interior, 997 GT3 RS 4.0. Yeah, wow. there it is. So, and I am so happy. I you am are so happy. You rebought. And one a- of the reasons I wanted it back was the 992 direction. The the big TVs are going in now into the dashboard, and I just suddenly looked back at the 4.0 and went, "Oh my God, that really was a, a high point analog moment, and will always be now." And I wanted that car back, and I realized I had put a lot into spec in that car. And uh, this was a great opportunity that I got another shot at it, so I grabbed it back. Incredible! Now that that car you sold at Amelia, right? No, no, I did not. I sold that uh, privately, and that wow. was about a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was two years ago. Wow. And then it showed up, I think, at that Atlanta auction. That's right. It was in the Atlanta auction. Wow! 
Well, what is it? So Which it's Tony a- Hatter, 993 designer of Porsche, just emailed me yesterday. He said, I saw it at, at Atlanta, <laughs> the Atlanta auction. I couldn't believe you were selling it. And I love that car. I took a picture of it in the rain. And he sent me the picture. And it just made me feel so good, uh, you know, because uh, Tony Hatter and, and Grant Larson are such uh, special guys to us. And they signed the inside of the deck lid, right? The front deck there lid. Three signatures. I had Grant Larson, who did the 997. Who's the, He's the guy who saved the 911 from the 996 disaster, was Grant. And then you got Pruninger. Uh, the, in the GT department, Angry who also Andy. gets uh, a full credit, and Hans Metzger, who had been designing mm, Porsche engine. engines mm-hmm. since 1963. He designed the first 911, and that was his last uh, iteration of it, was in the 4.0. So, And uh, those three guys signed the inner lid. Wow. <clears throat> so yeah. you can go back, Jerry. You can go back you to your old cars. You can go back. I've always said that. You can go home again. <laughs> and we don't Jerry. leave when you get there what, what, now you were after another car too what was that i was after the 67s with the right. rally package and the um, sport kit 2 engine but i would not go over 750 on that car because that just it, it, there's certain numbers that take the fun out of the hobby Mm-hmm. And that car over that number wouldn't be fun. It would be sad. You'd feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> and they had the reserve really low on that car. Wasn't it like 250 200 to 350 yeah. Wow. And it ended up selling for what? I don't know. Uh, 850 or 9 something. Wow. Hey, do you know what it went for? Wow. I thought it was eight and a quarter. I could be off a little bit. Uh, somebody else. I mean, re- I beat myself up a little about it a little. I don't like to lose auctions because money has no value to me because I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have not worked for any of the money that I have. I could have done this anyway. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for well, taking What do you think? Of, do you think I did the right thing by letting it go? Yes, absolutely. And you will end up and with it. Do you it. think I could still get it if yes. I wanted Yeah, of yes. course. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I think people are spinning out of Monterey this year. I think just in general, these cars, at least a lot of production cars are coming down, you know, and, they, you know, we're hearing lots of stories. It's a different market. It's a different world, right? Wouldn't you say, Zuckerman, that we, we didn't really come out of Monterey week with a lot of confidence that things were going up? I, oh, I, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Everything's you see, collapsing. How much damage did the, the, the uh, Type 64 do to the whole car hobby in general? You know, the, I and think that auction, the auction. I, I think the, it. I think it had the biggest impact on the auction houses. The auction houses were already in trouble in this world, and I think it was just a real black eye, particularly to yeah. RM Sotheby's. They've got. Yeah. They've got no credibility. Right. Right. And already, it's yeah, a, that really felt like a Richie Rich scamathon. Exactly. And then, I mean, and then when you realize that, that it's, it's codified that they're allowed to do these chandelier bids and walk the bed up, that it's really three-card Monty with shills in the audience. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, why are we participating in this? You can buy 98% of these cars outside of an auction house, so there's right. no need. And I, and I think, I think Bring a Trailer is about to steal the whole business. I, I think wow. these guys with their eyes on these cars now are about to just take the whole business. Because why, you know, it's like TV. Why do we have to wait till August? I want to do this all week long. 
You know, I just want right. to get on a site and buy something cool every week. And why not right. parse them out over the year, right? You know. I think you're both wrong. How about that? Okay. Wow. Why not? I think well, you're see. both wrong because rich people are more bored than anybody, have less to do than anybody, <laughs> and are dying for some place to go to see other rich people and feel special. Yes, this is a black guy, but they, they, there's nothing that, that can replace this for these bored, stupid, ignorant too much money, uh, <laughs> idiots, and 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 they're going to keep going. That's like that's why they keep playing stupid golf. What are they playing <clears throat> golf for? You can't even play. <laughs> There's nothing else for these jerks to do. Rum dumps. You left that golf out of your tirade. Auctions and eat little sandwiches. <laughs> hey, did you get? You know, you and I were invited to this Tycon release thing this morning. Just this morning. Oh, really? Yeah, just I got an email this morning that said Jerry and Spike and Gianni's on it, and they want us to. I mean, thank you by the way for the uh, for the time to consider it. It's next. It's September third. They want us to fly to Mon- uh, Montreal and drive the new Tycon, which I'm kind of leaning towards doing. I would actually do it if you went. Wow. Uh, yeah, plenty of time to uh, arrange that. <laughs> uh, September third. That's uh, that's next week. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Wednesday, I think. Well, let me know if you're going to do it. I would fly All up right. and meet you and, and see. Uh, are, I'm, you I'm, I'm, are you are you intrigued by the car? I am very much so. Very much so. Do you think it's going to look as good as the show car? No, but I think it looks good. I, I think it's. You can't do that again to us. They do it every time. Every time. The Boxster in '94. Yeah, no, I get it, but I, I think I, you know, I hear the car's great. I hear they have way too many orders and not enough cars, and you know, wow. I'm interested. I'm interested. I'd rather. Really? Drive what about it here. you, Zuckerman? You interested in this car? Yeah, I'm interested in every car. Right. <laughs> Why not? But what'd th- you think of that Lancia Fulvia on Bring a Trailer? Yeah, that was good. And then that makes what'd me start think thinking about the Alpha Junior. And yeah, yeah. That's that whole kind of that line of cars, small Italian cars, yeah. with little teeny engines that yeah, that, yeah, that are so evocative of of that Italian guy with his racing gloves and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. loose women, loose spaghetti women. on his t shirt, a little yeah. bo because they didn't shower back yeah. then. Did you ever see that Prada video with uh, what's his name from uh, uh, Rushmore? Um, uh, Talia Shire's son. Uh, what's that actor? I really like. Sad faced kid. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? <laughs> they made a ter- Prada made a fantastic video of him pulling into a little Italian town in the middle of the Mila Milia. Did you ever ever see that video? No. Oh, it's the greatest. It just makes you crazy for those little cars with those little screaming engines. Are you enjoying your midget this summer? Oh yeah, the midget is the greatest, <laughs> the greatest car I ever. The eighteen thousand dollar midget is a home run. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, twelve seventy five cc's, but the originality of it is so yeah. insane, right? And it just runs nice, and it it makes little burbles, and uh, right, it, it's everything. It yeah, is we're everything. drivers, but I'm a little scared out there. I don't know why I'm not scared in a 550 Spider, but the midget, I feel scared. You should. I mean, I sent you that picture on the 405 of Midget Guy I, I saw coming back from work. No, that London. was an MGB. Right, but just the car. size of his little contraption right. on that highway. It was terrifying mm-hmm. to look at, but beautiful mm-hmm. car. 
All right, man. Yeah, well, that color was amazing. Thank you for taking time out of your uh, last few days of your summer vacation. I'm guessing thank we'll you see guys. you soon out here, my friend. Enjoyed it. All right. All right. And uh, everybody, Spikes Car Radio. We'll be back with Jim Jeffries. Well, it's time to talk about my sponsors. This uh, this uh, printed ad in front of me is called Weird Things. All right, here we go. Think of all the weird things found in cars. And I'm not talking about the stuff that my Plan Z guys leave in that front boot. And I found everything because between Moise and his uh, groceries and Zuckerman with his iced teas, it's just a mess. And it makes me wonder about them. And another thing that I wonder about, but in a good way, are Continental Belts. Bet you didn't know they're OE in tens of millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also OE on the majorities of BMWs and VMWs. VMWs? What? VWs! Now Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series belt that are fanatically engineered for perfect fit form and function. And Continental has an OE technology series multi-V belt for 98% of vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks. A belt should not be one of them. Go to Continental OE technology series multi-V belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit oetechnologyseries.com. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. You can talk about cars if you want. <laughs> I like cars. <laughs> I like cars. You're listening to Jim Jeffries. Uh, the real Zuckerman had to take off. He's not feeling well. Um, that's my co-host. Jim, yeah. how, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm sad he's not feeling well. What's wrong with him? Um, I don't know. You know, he drank some bad uh, tonic or something. Oh, he's got a hangover. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's got that sickness. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't even think it's that. He probably touched something and licked his fingers and... What is it? I would have liked for you to have met the real Zuckerman. He's a lot like you. Right. It's not like you're the comedian version. Oh, well, I don't want to meet that guy. Why would I want to meet that guy? I, a, I, don't, I don't like the comedic version of me. I um, I, this is great that you're in here. I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours. I think you and I met briefly maybe three years ago in your manager's office. You were looking to do a half-hour and you were interviewing at, showrunners. At, at Does that ring a yeah. bell? Well, yeah, no. to do the Jim Jeffrey show? Or this is no, it wasn't at Brillstein, I don't think. It oh, was... then that's like eight years ago. Yeah, maybe it was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. But <laughs> I remember being you know, deep into developing other stuff. And when your name came up, I went, boy, I really like him. And... You know, it was just too late in the season for me. You know, oh, that would that would have been back when we did legit. That would have been okay. I can always measure it by I I got one of the actresses knocked up, and I have a son who's six, <laughs> and so that was seven years ago. Okay, so that would have been my problem <laughs> if I were running that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you I, got... <laughs> I, 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 I would have saved a lot of money with you. <laughs> so wait, see, so the actress from Legit is one the, of the actresses from Legit. One is of them. my ex, but we we stayed together ex. for five years. She's still we. I, so I saw her today we first day of school went down today yeah and the show we get, we get along great how long did the show stay on the air uh that show stayed on for two two years and now we're in the third year of the jim jeffrey show right and you've got and the uh and the offspring is your daughter or your son son your son is yeah. how old now he's a six look at that wow yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the best outcome. Started, started uh, school today. You he did. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. The best outcome of any television show is a kid. <laughs> <laughs> the show's fade. That show cost me a lot of money. <laughs> I did not. I did not make a profit. What now? Uh, so you did you? Uh, wh- how old is the, your son? Six. He's six. So he's going into first grade. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And you dropped him off this morning. Yeah. And how do you feel about that? I'm all right with it. You yeah, know, he's done kindergarten and preschool. I feel like he's been in school for four years or wow. something with all the preschool and all that type of stuff. It doesn't feel much different, right? I f- I feel more 
scared for him, then, you know, I don't have any... Like, I just remember not enjoying school. <laughs> so right, it's, right. it's very hard for me to go, it's going to be great. You're going to yeah. make some friends. You're going to be this. You're going to... Like, yeah. I remember hating school. <laughs> And just just the social aspect of of having to get along with people and, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, just that anxiety that goes along with it. I I, I kind of like the whole idea of stand-up comedy in the the way that you work by yourself. And if you do see people as different people all the time, Mm -hmm. so if if there's someone who's an arsehole who's like bothers you or bullies you a bit, you might not see that bloke for a year or two and then you'll bump into him again, you know what I mean? How did your parents, did you ever come to them and say, look, I hate school, I don't like this? How did they react to that? Uh, I, I, I voiced very pretty clearly that I didn't, didn't like school. <laughs> right. my, my parents reacted to that with, well, you have to go, which is the only response, <laughs> the only response you can do. My, right. my, my mother was a school teacher at my school and that added an, a second layer of hell. Wow. So she was there. You still hated it. Yeah. She was she was a, a, a relief teacher. I don't know what you call them here. A, a substitute. Substitute teacher. Did she ever teach you in class? Yeah, that's the whole thing. You, you wouldn't know when she was going to show up. <laughs> you would walk into the class like, all right, I'm having a good day. You'd be chatting to a girl and you wouldn't know that your science teacher was sick. And then you'd go, ah, oh, fuck. And you'd walk in. Like, but, but it's like... She, and was I, your I, mom, was I, she I, one of those hot teachers? No, no, no. Not she was at a 300-pound angry <laughs> teacher. I, I would walk around and people would go, oh, your mom's a fat bitch. And I'd be like, all right, that's a valid point you're making. <laughs> You know what I mean, but but my my mother, ironically, ironically, my um my sex education teacher became mm-hmm. pregnant, and was on maternity leave, right, right, and uh, I walked in and I had three months of uh, my mother teaching sex ed, and I didn't show up for most of it, and I think she understood and she let me off. Oh, really? But, but because of that, I've never truly had sex education, so that's probably why I got that kid. You know, from was there? Do you know at that point? Or is she really going to be teaching you anything? What grade is I that? Remember, you... I remember. I remember we were like fifteen or something like that. Right, I, maybe thirteen, fourteen. And you yeah, know, maybe everything, 13, 14. right? Well, I never. I I knew the fundamentals from watching <laughs> reading a few magazines. I hadn't at that stage even really seen a porno. It's not like today's kids where right. they can just Google it. I had Playboys and penthouses, and that's sort of. I knew what women looked like. I knew they didn't have penises. I'd gotten that down. You I know, can't imagine going into that class and your mom is teaching. My mom it's was already standing hard. in front of that that chart that had the ovaries and the and the penis. That side view of the penis where it's been cut sideways, <laughs> right? And you just see like a flaccid dick. They never show you a hard dick in those classes. They never like here's a hard dick, and this is when you when you fuck, you'll need a hard one. They just go, this is the penis goes into the vagina, and they show you a flaccid one. No one's learning anything, and then they give you a banana to roll a condom on. Really? And you're meant to, you're meant oh. to go, all right, off to the races we go. We know what we're doing. Well, she's great that she didn't make you sit there for that because watching your own mom roll that condom onto the banana. Yeah, I, I'll get that. My, my mother passed maybe, um, I want to say, 10 weeks ago now, so mm-hmm. fa- fairly recent my mother passed. Did you and tell this story at the eulogy? No, I did. No. I did read the eulogy though, <laughs> and uh, my mother passed. And I, I look, bless her. I, I, she was a very tough woman, and um, but uh, and you know, there's some things about my childhood that I sort of get mm-hmm. angry about. I think we all have that type sure. of stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean? But she loved me very much, and I, I will give her this. I used to give her a beating on stage. Like the jokes that I said <laughs> about my mother were pretty relentless <laughs> over the years. Right. Where people like would yell out. Like, how's your mum doing? Like during shows and stuff. Like, and she had a nickname Gunter, and that's, that was the name of the elephant from the Moscow Circus right. that she took us to when we were kids. And so we always used to call her Gunter. And so anyway, so people would yell out Gunter, 
I got to tell you, me mum, me mum took it pretty well. For all the my childhood, she was always yelling and angry and all that stuff. But then when I became a comic, she sort of took that in a stride pretty good. I think she was just happy that I was making a living. Right. And if <laughs> her, her big, her, the reason she was so angry when we were kids is because she all thought we were going to be fuck ups. Don't right, fuck up. Right, you don't right. want to be fucking a loser. Mm-hmm. You know, we got told that all the time, right? And so then when you're making a good living or whatever, I think she was just like, all right, well, he might as well make jokes about me because he's not really getting in my way. That's but in, I did do the eulogy, and I, it's, it's weird because uh, my dad plays lawn bowls, which is like an Australian thing, an English thing. And so all the old people play that. I don't know what old people do in America. What, do, what, what activity can they do? <sighs> they all disappear. Do? They, yeah, disappeared. they disappeared. There they're is going... some bowling going on. There's some lawn bowling. No, but no... they're mostly at the farmer's market and going for yeah, strolls in, and in, in bed Australia, by seven. They all, they all join these bowling clubs and they get huh. cheaper beer there. and all that. It becomes their well, hangout. Nice. And they, play little, they all have a uniform they have to play. like. Okay. But it's like poor people's country clubs. <laughs> right. Right? And everyone can join. And you've got your own little community. Mm-hmm. And you've got the other bowling. And each suburb has one. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, you know, also golf. I've just started playing golf. Golf. I see these 80 I fucking come back from 18 holes and I'm fucking <laughs> stiff as fuck. I've got a bum shoulder right. at the moment because I played around a golf and I swang badly. Like, I can't see how I could play this past 65. Probably. No. Well, yeah, it, well, a couple things. I want to go back to the eulogy because, you know, uh, is this the first parent? Your, your dad's still alive. My right? father's still alive. Yeah. You know, because my, my dad died in 2009 and I took on the eulogy and yeah. I found it to be one of the most cathartic kind of ways to deal with this very big thing that happens yeah, in our lives that catches you off guard, right? Mm. We, you know, we all know people whose parents say, when it happens to you, it hits you like a ton of bricks. It's this big paradigm shift where you're no longer the kid in some ways, yeah, right? You it, feel you, like you, um, you feel like you age 10 years. Right, right. Like, oh, you, you realize your own immortality when they die. And as a writer, I, it was one of the most meaningful things I've ever written was my dad's eulogy. Like yeah. I came out of it weeping and crying, but I felt better about about yeah, the whole yeah. thing. And then I didn't deliver it very well on stage. I mean, I'm, a, I'm analyzing this. I, I, I'm in a church. I wrote I'm... it down like a stand-up, so just points, <laughs> right. just point forms. I didn't write it all out. And then I sort of... You know Did it have is? jokes in it? You know what it is? It's, yeah, it has jokes in it, but it is kind of it is kind of a roast, the old eulogy. Mm-hmm. It like, can be. It can be, because you just always go, like all the things that people used to complain, like, like it, it, let's say someone smokes a pipe or something like that, and they go, oh, <laughs> and... What about him and his pipe? Yeah, you'd tell him to put it out. Don't blow it into kids' faces, but it wouldn't stop him. It wouldn't stop him. It's all it's all nasty things said with a bit yeah, of a wink. Right, right. You know what I mean? I, I sort of went, my mum was a stern woman, mm-hmm. and she maybe, some would argue, too tough. But then I pointed at my brothers and go, but you can't argue with the result. What fine men my brothers have turned out to be. Right, and right. I did that. But that's like a way of saying, my mum used to beat me quite <laughs> relentlessly. <laughs> But none of us are on heavy drugs, so happy days. Were you able to get through it without weeping in front I, of everyone? I, I, I cried during the thing. I had right. Little, but you know what's funny? There, was, there was one of the one of the old fellas, the eighty year old bloke friend of my dad's. Halfway through, his phone starts ringing. You know, it's bad enough <laughs> in a comedy club, let alone a eulogy. His phone starts ringing, and it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Like, dun, dun, dun. and so I sort of went with a joke and I go, and her love of spaghetti westerns, <laughs> often she would say that Clint Eastwood was the best looking man. And I'm killing like this, right? And then I sort of like, like look, I want to get back to the emotional bit. And I'm like, all right, okay. And they're like, Frank, 
<laughs> Frank. Now Frank didn't have his fucking hearing aid in, did he? So, so they're just yelling at him, and then he's like, "Oh, sorry, what? It, was, it was my phone." Was it Frank? No one knew. Were there people who were just like, God, Jim Jeffries is uh, performing in this church well, over there. This, this He's is... gonna, I want to go to this. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> he's doing the small room. <laughs> I, uh... Were there people who snuck in just to hear this Well, thing? this is the thing. is It was one of these funeral places, and there literally is... Was it here in L.A. or back no, in this Australia? This is in Sydney. This is in Sydney. Okay. There, there literally is uh, five or six different rooms, and they're churning them out all day. They're, 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 <laughs> they're doing 15 funerals there a day, I would mm-hmm. say, right? Mm-hmm. And like my mum couldn't sell tickets to the big room. <laughs> but, but she did all right. We we had the not the smallest, mm-hmm. but the second smallest, which was a sixty seater, and then a hundred people came and standing at the back. And that's right. it's better to fill a. Small, Those were the, your fans. Those were your fans. Fi- well, this is the whole thing. There's people who hadn't seen me since I was a child. Right, hadn't seen. I, I moved away from Australia twenty something years ago, but also just yet, you know, I moved out of home longer than that, like twenty five years or something. I've been living, a, and so my my parents didn't keep up with their friends very well. It's not like today where everyone's mm-hmm. on social media. And you keep, there's friends that they lost or whatever. There's people who hadn't seen me since I was a kid. And I was like, I just did, in December, I did an arena tour of Australia. I, I did where they hold the, 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 the Australian Open. And, and you think you get a little bit of notoriety. And I think, I still had people going, so what do you do? Oh, right, right. I haven't seen you as a child. Oh, I'm a comedian like that, right? Oh, your brother should have been a comedian. He was the funny one. <laughs> well, he didn't, did he? So it's here hard. we are. There's, you know, you're right about that. And it's, you know, I think about fame all the time. And and I don't know quite what it is anymore. I know maybe Tom Cruise has it or uh, maybe a Brad Pitt has Brad it. Your Pitt buddy has it. Brad Pitt My has brother. it. It's funny. Though. I, I, I've, done, I've done a couple of things with Brad Pitt. And it's like 40% of all questions asked uh, About me. Brad Pitt, in, in right? my personal and private life. Right. About Brad Pitt. That's the real fame. Because now there's this a new tier, everything's so fragmented that really you have to straddle about 20 of them to kind of break through. Yeah. Right? But I'm sure everybody says, well, you, you know, how do you walk down the street? How do you go to the farmer's well, market? You I, met Jim Jeffries. You must get attacked everywhere you fa- go. Fame is a weird thing because fame brings you more trouble than it mm-hmm. brings you goodness. And I know that people might be listening and be going, oh, boo-hoo. Because this whole, like, I, I have a lovely girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a wonderful ex. I have a beautiful son. Life's good. You know what I mean? And But if you're not single, uh, fame's kind of pointless. Well, no. Well, you get Restaurant that. reservations. Bullshit. And hotel bullshit. upgrades. The, the hotel upgrades. <laughs> the restaurant reservations, I always go on the <clears> table for Jim Jeffy. Okay. Fine. Oh, we're booked out. They never. You have to get this. P- all right. Let me give you a tip. To do Let it. me give you a or tip. No, assistant. you don't. No, you don't. All right. This is how you do it. Hey. And this comes from Jerry Seinfeld. Right. And I saw him do it, and it worked. Now maybe it's because it's Jerry. And he only eats it. in the same fucking diner every day. But this is what he do. does. Right. And now he's got, uh, you know, different name recognition than I do, obviously. You, you're kind of in that category, so it will no, work for you. No, I'm not in that You category. go like this. You call up and you go, this is Jim Jeffries, mm. right? I'd like a table for four tonight at 8 o'clock, right? He says, whether they know you or not, that throws the hostess off balance. Enough to Google you. What do you mean? Whether they know you or not, <laughs> he's Jerry Seinfeld. Now, wait. wait. I'm not anybody and I've been doing this, and it works. Is that what works? Yeah, it works. If you are a Googleable person in any regard, maybe you own an interstate trucking agency, maybe anything that they can just put your name in. Right. It it works right. more often than not. This so you try Jeffries. this. I need to eat. No, you don't say you don't say that, but you say this is Jim Jeffries. I'd love a reservation for tonight. 
Okay. At eight o'clock in the whatever restaurant you want to go, and I, you know, five out of ten times it's working for me. I, I know. I know. It's five out of ten. For all I know, they had reservations. But the thing with the fame thing, okay, and I think even now, like being single and famous is even worse now because mm-hmm. you can't trust. And you, you can't have a one night stand when you're, you're single because right. then all of a sudden you could fall asleep. Someone could take photos of you or some shit. <laughs> you know, so it's like you, you don't even know how to meet girls, even if you want. To. I don't get what the. I'm not complaining about being famous. I'm fine with it. Right? Yeah. I'm all right with it. Right. But I remember thinking that must be fun. And it's the other you know cool thing is you get to meet cool people. Right. That's the cool thing. Yes. Well, let's talk about that because yeah. I know Brad Pitt comes up. He's a fan of yours. Who who are the uh, celebrity fans of Jim Jeffries that uh, surprise you? I, um, it's Br- a, Brad. A, Brad surprised me, and but but you know, I look. He, I don't. You know, everyone thinks I have amazing story. He, he was the weatherman on my show, and he was. Uh, he he's come to a couple of my gigs, and we sort of know each other but that's I don't, cool i don't you know. no, i said a fan who you know someone who calls you up and go i really like your work it's um, a nice compliment uh i became friends with russell crowe wow and that was about four years ago i became uh-huh. friends with russell and me and russell like actually hang and i go and hang out at his on his farm and stuff that's fun yeah wow. yeah he's what is he doing on his farm it's where he lives he's got like a neverland ranch but you know, with nothing, nothing bad nothing <laughs> bad happening he's got like for adults for a adults neverland right ranch yeah, for adults yeah, yeah. wait what yeah yeah there's no kids there. just, that there's... won't make headlines no, oh, God, <laughs> no he's got like a big ranch so what does he do he wakes up in the what you say you go he's you sleep fucking, there he acts like russell crowe he's the he's the man he but fucking he... rides quad bikes and horses and he does fucking does gladiator shit and you know he's... so what does he do so he emails you and he goes hey come come hang out for the weekend we text each other we right. pass the email all right and then you does he invite you to stay there or you just visit when you're in I, town no i go and stay he's got right. little houses on the thing and you you, you go on there and oh that's it's, cool it's, it's like being on summer camp it's wonderful and there's right like, right there's always like a few other sort of people of my ilk <laughs> right around there and we all we all we all meet for dinner at the same time wow and, yeah and then you're kind of on your own so you don't have to spend all the time with russell crowe uh, i like his company but do you I, I, do you I get like and then company. you know like he, he, you know we have a few beers me and russ smoke yeah. cigars yeah talk. he's a smoker I'm, I'm off the cigarettes but yeah, <laughs> yeah. what uh what else do you guys do there um, I like this. This drinking, is good. Drinking, eating, and drinking, eating, partying, and swimming. You and swim a bit, and you ride bit. the quads. You and, like and, those, and like you do things like you'll have a day where you make pizza or something. Like there's little activities <laughs> to do. That's great. <laughs> and the six year old does he know? Does he know who Russell Crowe is? Yeah, he's watching. Yeah, my son, my son, my, Russell's uh, Russell's it's a just, very. He's a really sweet guy. Yeah, he's a really <clears> sweet guy. My 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 son, uh, with you know the six year old genius that he is. His nickname for him is uh, uh, Russell Sprout. Right? Thinks <laughs> right. that's really funny. There you go. You know what I mean? Yes. He's really nailed that nickname. <clears throat> but right. I remember one time when he was about, when my son was about two or three, we walked out of, we walked out of the cinema, and there was a poster for the nice guys. Is it the good guys, or the nice guys, the nice guys, <clears throat> the nice guys. And there was a there was a poster for the nice guys, and just out of a two year old just walking up the poster and pointing and yelling out Russell Crowe. <laughs> And you're, and you're like, these old people looked at me, I and mean, the kid's a huge fan. Yeah. He just loves him. He's one of my favorite actors. I love him. He's a brilliant actor. I would stay, Russell. I'd stay at your place if you invite me. I'll ah, come. yeah. That would be nice. I like quad. I like everything you just described. Yeah, that seems like a nice a, day. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's, fun, he's a fun <clears throat> hang. 
So you got Brad Pitt and Russell Crowe. Look at you. Yeah. And who are your comedian buddies? Like, who's your little gang of comedians? Since I, I don't quite I know your little see, world. But see, this is the thing with the, the comics. You know, most of the guys I hang out with, you may not have heard of. A lot of That's guys, okay. A lot of guys who, uh, yeah, so Forrest Shaw and mm-hmm. Jason John Whitehead and Amos Gill and um, uh, Justin Martindale. And, I, you know, but I get along with most people. You know, you go down and see them at the store. But I feel like... In England, I've got a whole group of guys now are sort of famous British comics. Mm-hmm. But you, you all have your graduating class. You have like the guys that you started out with doing the open micers with and then you progressed with. And when you rang up going, so how did you get into that club? How did you get into this one? When you did all that, that's sort of your crew. And I don't really have that as much here in America because I came over already established like sort of 10 years ago. But 10 years further back than that, I was living in Britain. So I've got a lot of mates in, in mm-hmm. the UK circuit. But, you know, I, I, I like most people. But when you're, when you're a theatre act, um, you don't work with anyone that's besides the guys you take on the road mm-hmm. or the girls you take on the road with you. So What audiences do you like the best? Who has the best audiences? Are Australia, that, England? That silly country question. <clears throat> well, I'm curious. I can, t- I mean, I can it, tell you who has the worst but I, the, the best, like so yeah, the worst. I, I, Tell I, me who I, has the worst. I, the Brit- British. British. The British are the best. Really? On a good night. Right. If you're on fire, and that you like, they're the best. <laughs> the, the English, in particular, for my opinion, right, the right. English are the best. Right. So, so there's Irish people already, and Scottish people, and Welsh people already <laughs> angry right now listening to this. But I think, I think the English pound for pound. Because they have that real fucking cockney, like, all right, so right, get right. at him, yeah. Like, when, when you start, when you start heckling with them. And they take it very well. If they yell out something and then you put them down, they go, oh, he fucking got me, didn't he? Eh? Mm-hmm. Like that, right? Where sometimes Americans can heckle and then you start putting them down and then everyone's like, whoa, whoa, that's a bit far. Okay, okay, everyone settle down. <laughs> All right, now that's a bit personal. You know what I mean? So so they have that attitude. Now, Australia's, Australia's fine. Australia's good. Australia's sort of a happy medium in between mm-hmm. those two. Worst, in my opinion, the worst audiences, and I've been asked to go back several times and had good offers to go back. New Zealand can go fuck itself. <laughs> seriously, seriously, can go fuck oh, itself. A, a bunch <clears throat> of parochial fucking, <laughs> fucking hillbillies that live on this one. And I have New Zealand friends, right? Reese Darby's one of my best mates, yeah. right? Yeah. You're not talking about the people. You're just no, saying New no, Zealand no, itself no, can go no, fuck no, itself. No, no, right. no, no, no. I'm I talking about the people. I'm being <laughs> okay. bigoted. Towards the people, I don't. That's not, still all right in this country. Yeah, I, you can I, do that. I, I, the Belgians and the New Zealanders. It's not a race. It's not a race. It's just a, a, a certain type of people, New mm-hmm. Zealanders, mm-hmm. that I don't, <laughs> I don't care for to perform in front of ever again. It's just they're just these chippy little fucks. They are, and they all they all sit there going. They just like that, and they're like, oh, no, bro, what about this? What about this? They can't, they're like little kids. <laughs> their fucking brains aren't fucking, they're not worldly enough. They've lived in their little fucking island, and they can't focus. <laughs> they can't. They can't focus. I did a gig in, in Auckland, and I was just like, hey, everyone, can you shut up? Shut up, please. Come on, stop talking. Stop talking. Stop. What about, do, do the good joke, cunt. Come on, bro. <laughs> Like that, right? And I'm like, we have to stop. I go, if you keep talking, I, I very rarely break character. I'm like, right. not playing character, but breaking the persona. Yes, I understand. And I'm just like, like this going, come on, come on. We all want to have a good time. It's like 3,000 people. I'm like, we all want to have a good time. Just stop. This is in Auckland, the most metropolitan city, bro. And that was right? it. And, and I said, how about we just see if we can be quiet for 10 seconds, right? And then they, and then I went, all right, let's have a look at this. I looked at me, watch. And they got to three seconds. Fucking gun, bro! 
like that, right? And I just was like, and I just took a deep breath, and I thought I could. I, this is the only time, time I've ever thought of leaving stage. And I thought I could leave, and the other gigs didn't go well. Either. Right, right. I thought I can leave right now, but I won't get paid. Right. Or I could just phone the fuck in. Right. right I could just right. phone this in. That's... I could just like that school teacher that stood at the front of the class and just kept talking. When I say mm-hmm. phone it in, I'm still going to put my all into the actual performance. Right. But if people heckle, I'm just going to act like I can't hear them. Right. And just talk over the top. They can all be screaming and I blah blah blah. blah you know what I mean? Wow. And it's so, impressive you can do that. Well, I it, was, it took a lot of mental health to right. do that. Right. Yeah. So anyway, the next day I wake up and then like this is so New Zealand for you, fucking the the New Zealand Herald or something, the Auckland Telegraph, right? <laughs> When when something said something like this goes goes Australian diva, Australian diva threatens to storm off stage, oh, and then the article story. it goes, I asked for a minute <laughs> silence. I never did. <laughs> I never did. I said, see if we can be quiet for ten seconds because it's getting out of hand. Like right, you know, fuck them. You made the right decision because you walk off. That's it. They have the payoff. To they their have article. the payoff. Somebody they has get a dumb online video, and right. everyone and says you're a jerk and all that type of stuff. And you just muscle it. But you know, we've all had horrendous gigs. Yes. And it takes a lot of, you know, and also there are people like when they go, oh, it wasn't very professional the way you dealt with a heckler. Or that. This is the thing about jokes and gigs and all that type of stuff. We want it to work out. <laughs> We want the gigs to go well. That's our incentive. Right. Right? <clears throat> yes. So so when people start booing and you start yelling back at the audience and they go, why? What, say sorry. Why did that happen? And you go, what do you mean why did that happen? Right. I didn't want it to happen. It's like going to a, to a, a pilot who crashes a plane and going, apologize. <laughs> why did you do that? I, I, wanted, I wanted to land it. My intention was to land the plane perfectly and for everyone to have a good time. But in, unfortunately, I went to the side of a mountain then. You're listening to Jim Jeffries. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more Spikes Car Radio. Hey, guys, do you like uh, true crime? Well, if you were a fan of true crime, the court junkie podcast is now once a week on podcast one imagine being wrongfully convicted for a crime you didn't commit or a killer is still on the loose i'm looking around the offices of podcast one i see several people who could be killers even though there's not enough evidence for an arrest the court junkie podcast shines a light on the injustices of the judicial system through deep dives into court documents and interviews with those closest to the case looking right through the glass of two potential murderers right now Download new episodes of Court Junkie Podcast every week on Apple Podcast and Podcast One. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. These breaks are real fast because they don't really happen. So See, let's just let's just wrap this up. I, I just know now people are going to be an asshole. All I did was name drop and then complain about being famous and said they're fucking some of New Zealand is a cunt. Do you think he's an asshole, everybody? I don't think he's an asshole. Oh, I think right. you're I funny. We I think you're hilarious. Oh, I well. think you're hugely funny. I'm, I'm not worried about the New Zealand hate mails like they can work. I would be worried or... now if you went back and did a show. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know about before. They're, they're so. not for, I just don't have any interest in going back. See, I, see, there are some comedians, John Jim. John Cleese said the same thing. There John are Cleese. some comedians, and I don't know if you're one of them, but you can tell me, who love to dig themselves deep into a hole and then get themselves out. Now, you're in that I hole like, in New Zealand. I like a little hole. 
I, I like a nice little hole. You're where, in a cavernous hole yeah, a mile yeah. down I don't, right I don't now in New Zealand. Where you're going, you don't uh, want to do that? Where they no. pulled out the phones. No. And you're like, oh, God. I've never understood that, why a comedian would say that. I want to I want to make a mess of things and see if I can get it back. What is that? Yeah, I like it to go smooth. I like a little bit of mayhem in right, the room. Right. I like a little bit of mayhem and... and uh, you know, I enjoy a good heckle and a good heckle put down, but I don't like it to dominate the whole show. I've I've had people complain once that they've gone, they've gone. You spend twenty minutes on a heckler. I didn't pay to see that. Like they want a refund or something. And, and you're like, you're like, I didn't. I just went twenty minutes longer. I didn't. Right. I did all the jokes I was going to do. You right. Just got a twenty minute longer yeah. show. Yeah. And also, when people say that phrase, they go, "I didn't pay to see." <laughs> When you're drunk or something on stage, I didn't pay to see him. Right. You, you, you did. You did. You paid yes. for whatever the show is. Right. You can, afterwards, you can say the show is shit. Right. And I had a horrible time. That's completely fair. And say, oh, I'd never pay for it again. See, I remember those moments more. That, you know, you're now reminding me of a set I saw Mark Marin do in at the uh, Aspen Comedy Festival. Yeah. I don't remember anything he said except for his 20 minutes of taking apart this heckler. And yeah. I went, what a ge- I know that's not prepared. Yeah, and he yeah. was so fast and so genius in his responses. I just went, that's what I was paying for to see. Yeah, yeah. I want to see the star. And I, I see, see him in that so, moment. Some people like it. Like when I used to. Drink heavily. Right. Drink heavily. <laughs> when I used to drink heavily back in the day on, on stage, people were like, people would write reviews like, it was awesome. You was fucking wasted. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then like other people would be like, what, what has happened? <laughs> Nobody's happy. Yeah. Let's talk about your TV show, The Jim yeah. Jeffries Show yeah. on Comedy Central. Currently at the end of its third season right now. Uh, we're, we're about to go into the <clears> back end, the, the last 10. How many episodes do you shoot a season? We do 20. We did 30 last year. We're doing 20 this year. And that was just, we did. 20 in the first year, then 30 the second. But we found That's it hard. That's a great orders. When we did 30, we found it hard to do um, a field piece for every episode. Right, right. Time. So with 20, we can do an international field piece for each. And what we do is we go on tour in December and January. And I go and do like Europe or um, Australia or Asia or something like that. And then wherever we are, wherever my gig is, we do a field piece right. during the day. What's so hard about doing the field pieces? With, you've got to travel over. You just don't physically have the time. You don't want to... Oh, they're... They're, yeah, they're all international. They're all international. They're all okay. international. So that I guess we, I didn't know. You've got to, you, you, recording 30 of them is a lot harder than recording and where are you 20 shooting? of them when you have to... 20 of them. If, with the 30, you also have to be in the studio to actually do no, the show. No, I know. So. Right. And then playing it back for the audience, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but you're shooting it here in LA, right? Yeah, well, yeah we do. Yeah. Well, why not just move the field pieces here to LA? <laughs> why don't you make people more international why, like I don't know it's for the background why, shots, oh, they, can't sure. they can't they Skype <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's exclusively a political show right no 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 no, no not at all I think it's um sometimes it's a little bit sketchy and sometimes <clears throat> it's uh it's it's social issues right um but like when you say political I don't think we mentioned Trump's name in the last eight episodes not right. once right. not once and so it's like I find it weird when people go all they do is bash Trump no I find I find that to be a very tiresome thing to talk about over and over again it so, is it's so, hard so, right so, you know, We've, it's been run look, through what every... do I the guy tweeted something like <clears throat> a fucking moron he said something <laughs> stupid at a fucking like what, 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 what do I need to do you know well, so, I... so I don't I don't you know, I, I say it to the writers, I go, don't come at me with Trump stuff unless it's a huge, huge story. You know, it's like like Paul Manafort going into... That's, you've got to talk about that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
And right. are you, let, let me let's just back up because you know I I did this job for a little while and I know how you construct how you put together a show and I'm very interested in how you put this show together from the very beginning right, right so okay. Comedy Central comes to you they're going to order a big big bunch of episodes you're doing a weekly show right yeah. and there are all these little decisions to make right yeah. um first the suit yeah the outfit yes you you are, you get to the point where you're wearing a suit but no tie. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about this thought. Well, process. I I wanted the tie. <laughs> you wanted the tie. I wanted the tie. Jimmy Kimmel started without the tie. Yeah, I thought going. I I almost went there, and then I said no. I I'm going to finish it because it feels un it feels unfinished. But I want to know your thought I process. I wanted the tie, and in okay. the pilot, the non-aired pilot, <laughs> I wear a tie. Right. Right, and Comedy Central were like, no, they they wanted me just to wear. They wanted me like in a leather jacket, leaning against the bar, doing it because that's cool. Because that's what the, the yes. stage thing. And I right. thought, no, I I would like to be considered. <clears throat> I would like to be taken seriously. And right. if everyone else is wearing this one uniform, exactly that all late night shows have, you're exactly I, right. I don't think I'll be in the conversation right. if I'm the guy wearing a leather jacket. And that's right? right. So I thought, all right, I wear a suit. And then they went, okay, well you have no tie then. And I was like going. I want to wear a tie. I like wearing ties. I just when I wear <laughs> what a suit, was their reason I, for taking I the never, tie away? Because I'm Jim Jeffries and I'm crazy. I'm like a wild man who would no. never be buttoned down by. You know, this is the mentality, right? And they're wrong. So, but I, go ahead. I was. I wanted to wear a tie. Anyway, everything you said, by the way, about the suit and the tie, you're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right, right from the get go, and you're dealing with people, executives who don't know what they're doing and don't know the history of late night the way you know it. I'm very happy with all the executives I work with. <laughs> Just want to put that out there. They're wrong about the tie. Yeah, anyway, yeah, continue. Apart from the tie, they're doing a wonderful job. But most people don't understand like the, you know, these little things, the geography of the desk to the guest and the suit oh, and the, the tie. The thing is I had, to get, I had to fight for a desk because they wanted me to stand and no. then we made a compromise where I stand sometimes and right, I sit right. sometimes. <clears throat> And there's all these things that people think. Anyway, so it went into the show got tested right. by a bunch of fucking, I assume 80 <laughs> people who go to fucking Universal and go, do you want 50 bucks? Like yep. the geniuses mm-hmm. of our time. Mm-hmm. These are the people who test programming yep. before you see it. <laughs> right. Right. And what was the response? The response was they liked the show. They liked my attitude, blah, 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 blah. Lose the tie. <laughs> really? Yeah, and I don't know if that's for a fact. I feel like maybe they, they slipped that in yeah, there. They slipped no one's going to say but that. It's like everybody, <laughs> no. everybody, those 80 people, they're all unanimous, did not like the tie. <laughs> So, that's insane. So I, I and, and of course, let's do exactly what the audience wants. That's what they know best. Yeah, well, how so, how so, a TV show is going to work? So I, uh, I don't have a tie. Oh but, my, but come my on! Suits are very expensive. The They're suits, beautiful. They I want you, them finished. They give and you, I, you know, yeah. everything you said, you're exactly right. It's like, you know, for me, late night becomes about what you say and the type of comedy you're doing, and you don't want these little things that can be distracting. Like I don't. You don't want me thinking where's the tie when I'm watching exactly. your show. I just instead I just, you want me listening I, I, I to your bit. I don't want them thinking because Colbert's smarter than me because he wears a tie or even more authoritarian. Than, 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 that's not it. It's and that it's, it's your comedy is going to come through, and that's all we care yeah, about. Yeah. That's I, it. You I, want you don't want anything else to be distracting. But to begin with, I was like tie tie. I want the tie. I want the tie. I want the tie. <laughs> and then now I'm just like, eh, it's kind of nice. That I don't have to wear a tie. That's I'm uh, uh, season four. I-, I want you to put the tie on. Now I'm a late night consultant I now. I believe now, <clears throat> it was one episode we slipped the tie. Slip in. the tie on and tell them that I, I kind of know I what I'm talking the, about I could in this be regard. The guy with a bow tie. 
Don't do that. The bow tie never works. The bow tie never works. There was a moment where uh, Bill Maher redid his set, and he had this uh, this beautiful new set. I love the show. I watch Bill Maher's show. Um, and he had this uh, beautiful uh, golden earth globe behind mm. him. And I'm watching the monologue that Friday night, eating my dinner. I get excited about just that little 12-minute spot, and it's slowly spinning behind him. Mm. And, you know, I'm not, I can't hear the jokes, and I'm looking at this spin going, what the hell's going on? And I messaged my friend who was a producer on the show, and I go, would you please tell Mr. Marr for me, stop the fucking globe from spinning. We can't have movement, but movement behind a guy doing jokes. It does not work. Mm. And they stopped that shit the next yeah. week. Yeah. They stopped it. Because of Spike Ferriston. And now I'm telling you, my friend, you have everything that you need to be one of the great late-night talk show hosts. Except but put for, on yeah, the yeah. goddamn tie, tie and take control of your career, Jim Jeffries. Well, see, but, but, but John Oliver does like a plaid shirt with a tie. <clears throat> He's got the tie, though. It's too busy for me. It's right. Too busy. I'm not advocating plaid shirts yeah, in any way, shape, or form. Tie, but okay. he, when I when I watch his show and graze on that, there's nothing about it that's distracting he me. He gets I'm, to sit down the whole time. Yeah. And right. it, it's better, right? Well, no, I don't actually mind the stand... I, I don't mind standing up to introduce the field pieces. <clears throat> right. And sometimes we do act four, and sometimes they're a bit more lively, so you get to right. move around. Right, right. But, you know, I don't know. Because you, now you've got, like, the newer generation, like the San Minaj type of where he's standing right. in front of a big and like you know obviously obviously Samantha B doesn't wear a tie <clears throat> no you know, so what's the but now you know I don't know as a viewer of these shows they're all like they're all well trainers. and good but these are not the big shows that you are now naming to me where he, the game of late night is a really simple game and mm-hmm. it's make sure your shit is getting watched the next day on the internet whatever that piece is that you shoot that field piece or that little commercial that's going to self-promote your show, and that's going to make the network go, look, we're relevant. That's, yeah. all, you, that's all you do. You throw those bits out. And I know you've had viral bits from your show, and I've that, had, I've that's a, the game. I've had a couple little viral bits. That's, that's really uh, the game, you know? And, and, and I know that from experience with my show. We, we, had, you know, we had a bunch of people watching, but we had a tailwind from Mad TV, but nobody knew our show. But suddenly when they were putting our bits on The View or they were on CNN, they, right. the network got excited, and suddenly we're lighting up Hulu. Where we've got the number one. And, it, you know, it, that's well, the way I, I this would, game I works. I always think that, like, like, I don't know if ratings are – you know, we rate pretty well. We rate well. But I don't know – like they go, oh, John Oliver gets this much ratings, and I'm like, well, but he's living <clears throat> Game of Thrones. He does too much writing. That's a lot of writing. What they talk too much? John Oliver, yeah, that's yeah. a long performance that he's doing from a prompter, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a yeah, solid that's, thing. Yeah, and he's he can do it. I, I don't know that that's no, what no, you no, want to no. do. I that's have, not I your have scene. Too many takes. I'm not a good reader. <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes when you come in for a morning <clears throat> with the show, because like sometimes there's topics on the show that before. Before the show happened, you didn't really have an opinion on. Right. And then you give your opinion, and then you're like, oh, am I in trouble now? Because I gave... Like, just for example, like, so... So we did something on transsexuals. I have no problems with transsexuals. You want to change your sex? Have at it. I have no problem. And then they're like, someone, they sort of... How many sexes are there? Right? And in some... I think Canada or something has over 30 now. Right. Right. And I said... Oh, I reckon six would be a good number. You know what I mean? <laughs> like pre-op, post-op, transitioning, transition. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's got to cover everyone. Six, right? <laughs> and then I found out very quickly that no, that was not the appropriate answer. <laughs> no, that was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was one of those ones that it's like, 
I don't care if you have 100. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, of course not. It does not bother me if you have 300. If that's what you... I'll call you whatever you want Why to Why are called. they trying to trip up the good guys? Yeah, yeah. That's and, what I don't yeah, understand. Then, <laughs> so, so you ask me, and then I'm like, six? Right. All right, I'm evil. <laughs> Didn't know. It doesn't seem... You don't seem like a guy that would be bothered really by any of that stuff, right? I mean, comedians that have been on stage, you've heard it all, and you have, yeah, you have you armor. Get, you don't have baby skin. You, you, you get you, that little thing where people sort of come after you and say, you need to apologize about this and why did you say that and you're just like oh, I don't know I don't yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to put an entertaining show together it's it, it's something that I thought was funny to say I didn't do it to make, ruin your day <laughs> right right yeah. no th- that's more about the writer trying to make a name for themselves yeah, yeah. right it's always no, no, that, I, that's I always prove, that I angle prove, I stand by everything I say I, I prove everything I say there's never been anything where I've said on the show where afterwards I've gone, how? Why did you all make me say this? I, I just, you know, I I have been in the writers' room and I'm going, that's all well and good for you, right? But I'm going to get called a asshole or a pussy or something for saying this. So I'd rather not. Are you? Are these ten shows already in the can? Or are you doing ten no, more? No, no, are you no, no. We more? do. We record them day off. Okay, you do. And do you ever get the feeling? You know, sometimes this might have been my own paranoia, but the writers were just trying to get me to do stuff that would get me in trouble that so they could laugh about it. Right? They, they were more than at least 10 9-11 jokes that kind of came up <laughs> until I said, guys, I don't... You get to, I never, I never with my writers, I never, for the show, I never, um, I never want them to put their names next to any jokes. Right. Um, because I, I like to read in the room or, or, or read it by myself and scratch it out. It's smart. And, and I like to be able to kill the joke without having any emotional problem. Right, because right. There's some, sometimes there's a writer that's, oh, they need a joke <clears throat> this week. They're feeling right, like their right. jobs. Are, and I can't, you know, it's like you never name the turkey before you fucking kill it at Thanksgiving, right? You just, <laughs> the kids don't get too attached to this. We're going to eat it, right? And that's so, a good idea. And so I never want to know who wrote what. But then, do you want to know after though? After a joke really crushes, I sometimes when I'm in the room, I go when a joke goes well, I go who wrote that? I go well done, right? But when a joke dies, I never go who wrote that. You, <laughs> you fucking idiot! I never do that. I right? could tell with about ninety eight percent accuracy who wrote every yeah, joke. It didn't matter. The I knew everyone. Is, I know who's written which joke. <laughs> right. I just know. I just know from the sounds. But right, everybody one, has a distinct there's, there's, style. There's one of our writers, right? Who it's always like. He always writes something that involves cum. <laughs> and so it's always like there's always like a joke that's like anyway. So then, then, then the politician said something, and I was standing there with a handful of cum. <laughs> right? If that happens, I know it's him. And I like a good cum joke, and I didn't know there was that many of them, but he can do one every week. That's a good little tag you could put on pretty much any story in the news right now. Yeah, and yeah. I was standing there with a handful of cum. Yeah, yeah. So, That's so, going to make us laugh just so, the way you said it. So I had to leave the body because I came on the flowers. <laughs> um, anyway, so so there's that one. And then there's there's another. There's one of my writers. She 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 uh, has been trying to make me say yes queen or or quote Beyonce for three years now. <clears throat> I see. And just like, everyone, let's get into formation or something <laughs> like that, like a little thing. And I go, that's like Beyonce doing something. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I've never listened to one of Beyonce's songs. <clears throat> I don't know what Yas Queens means. I feel like I might be racist saying it, <laughs> but I'm not sure. And so I'm not confident enough. And people said, no, 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 it's all right. They say it on Broad City. And I go, mm. but if me as a 42-year-old white man goes, Yas, like, am I? Yeah, that's so, tough. So, so every time that's in the script... Yeah. I'm like, I, I told you not to put that in anymore. 
<laughs> and she said, "They try to make me yes, act queen. like a sassy woman." Like, <laughs> and I just, I just feel it feels disingenuous. And then occasionally they, they put like I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I didn't right. watch Game of Thrones. And then there was one joke that was like. They talk about like how there's a Starbucks co- um, coffee. Right, right, there was. And they go, and I was like, who's to say that there's no Starbucks in wherever? Westeros? Westeros, right? <laughs> and I go, although they wouldn't let in, who's the who's the black guy who's who's, who's in, you know, the the guy who's like the guard, he's like the armor. Oh yeah, the eunuch guy. I saw the, I saw the final, yeah, I don't know, I don't guy. know what his name is, okay. but I know who you're talking about. And so I'm like going. I go, I go, they have a stomach there, but they wouldn't let in, what's his name, the black guy? They wouldn't let him into the bathroom. And, I, and then they go, and they go, uh, they go, mostly because he's dickless and he'll just spray piss everywhere, right? Now, I didn't know, I didn't know who I was talking about was black. And I didn't know that, like, what the reference, I, I, I hadn't even followed the Starbucks story. And so I remember just reading it, just going, just reading it just like it's information. People were like, trust me, you'll get a laugh, right? And I just read it like it was information. The audience laughed. And I'm like, all right, I just timed the joke that I have no idea what I said. But it's hugely funny. Well, that's how you know you have great writers. Yeah. And I would do the Beyonce joke. She sounds like a very you funny writer. And no, I think you, I think no, you no, could, no, no, I no, think she, you could she, nail it. She's a very good writer. I'm but, sure she but, is, but, but I think... I, you just have to pull off the Everyone, read. Everyone, let's get into formation. <laughs> like they, they tried to teach it to me. I gave it a couple of goes in rehearsal. I'm not doing it. Right. But the women in your audience will get it. They'll if understand. I, I saw Beyonce once in concert when she, I'm going to say, when she had Crazy in Love was out. Mm-hmm. I was dating an MTV VJ in Britain where I was living at the time. So this is 15 years ago, probably that, that, that uh, Destiny's Child broke up, right? Okay. I went to the concert and we were front row centre and me and my mate, we would have been the only sort of 30-odd-year-old men there. It was just teenage <laughs> girls. We're in the front row like, oh, this is good. And she had no songs back then. She couldn't fill a, she couldn't fill a concert. She'd just broken up with Destiny's Child. She wasn't allowed to do those songs. All she had was Crazy in Love mm-hmm. and a cover of You Give Me Fever. Right, that was all she had. In the middle of that, she would change outfits a lot and go, oh, do you want to see my dancers dance? And they'd come out and they'll dance and then they'd do this clapping thing and she'd whip her hair back and forth. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking, this girl is going nowhere. <laughs> right. She has, she has nothing. You can't see it. I couldn't, I couldn't see it. Yet. No, I was no. Just like, and now look. And now look. She's a force of nature. She's, she's beyond she's, anything she's in entertainment. She's the queen bee. The queen yeah. Bee. It, you know, I watched. I, I was wondering what all the fuss was about, and I watched some of it on HBO, wherever it was last. I could not believe what I was I seeing. A, I have a theory on this. So I got, like the marching band because I used to be in the got, marching you band. You got Queen Bee and Queen Latifah, right? And um, two dope queens, I think. Right. Black girls like to be queens, and white girls like to be princesses. Is that racist to me? <laughs> yes. But you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like it's like I think the black system's better. <laughs> Being the queen. Yeah, you want to be yeah. in charge. Right, you right. You want to be in charge. You want to be royalty, you're in charge. Mm-hmm. Princess, ah, you want to be taken care of. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. So that's why men, when men, even when they act like women, they still got to be the queen. <laughs> there you go. They, they're just like, and they still want to be the queen. And they still. Even as a woman, they want to be in charge of everything. We're both talking like Jerry. Yeah.
Is that is that bad of me to say it? No, no, I loved it. But we're out of time, my friend. You get what I'm saying? Man? I totally do. I think you're hugely funny, dude. I think you're hugely funny. It's such a treat to you have you like here. You have to go, and it doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else <laughs> says. Never apologize. Never apologize. Do your thing. Your heart's in the right place. Your show is a huge success. Jim Jeffries has it all, ladies and gentlemen. Watch the Jim Jeffries show. When are we going to watch it? Tuesdays at I think ten thirty or none of us we don't we don't stay up anymore. On Tuesdays you can just watch it. It's on Comedy Central. Yeah, just it's it's on after. (laughs) Nobody watches TV anymore. We we do it on demand. It's on after Daniel Tosh and before the Daily Show. There you go. Well, that's a nice that's a nice spot. Daniel Tosh has has a pretty big rating, but we we're all going to download it and watch it whenever we want. Yes, we get a lot of fourteen year old boys who just watch people kicking the nuts. <laughs> and that just leads straight into us. Well, my audience is going to love you, man. Um, and, and I love you because you came in and you have a lot of energy and you're just fucking funny. Thanks, man. Funny <laughs> and a good dude. I love it. I'd love to have you back some point. Whatever you want, brother. Jim Jeffries. We'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. I have a car. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.